Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Around the Kingdom, the fastest UCF show around. I'm Eric Lopez. No Trace Trouco. He's still recovering from that tough UCF bowl game loss. But no, have no fear. Look who's coming in. An old friend, Andrew Glukov. Drew, what's going on? Oh, man. Just waiting to, to line up against you as we go around the kingdom. Yeah, we've done this before. A few platforms coming up on the show. We're going to break down UCF's loss to Georgia Tech. What does it mean? and what to look forward to in 2024. Let's go toss it to our main man, the man who runs the show here on, on the Around the Kingdom, Adam Eaton. Adam, how you doing? Gentlemen, I'm good, Andrew. Welcome to the uh, the Thunderdome. Good luck against the combatant that is Eric Lopez. He likes to zig when others zag, so I wish you the best of luck today. I mean, I'm, by nature, I'm a loose cannon, so I mean, we're, we're match made in heaven. Or in my case, I, I get mistaken for Eric Lopez all the time. That's a good compliment to have uh, on the show. Let's get going on the topics. Let's begin, obviously, where where you were at, Drew, on Friday, and that was, of course, the Gasparilla Bowl. UCF losing to Georgia Tech, 30-17. to Georgia Tech scores 27 unanswered points to get the victory. Knights finish the season 6-7. and seven. Drew, simple question. You were there in person. What went wrong for UCF? Well, I mean, what went wrong is uh, Georgia Tech did everything right. And, you know, there was a little slow to get started. But then they, they exploited UCS weakness, the run. UCS run defense is one of the worst in the country. And eventually Georgia Tech just fully sold towards the run. And they only threw 13 passes all day. You know, if you can't stop the same play over and over again, you know what you do? Run it again. And that's what they kept doing. Uh, UCF's flaws were exploited. The lack of size in the trench, the lack of angles uh, for pursuit and tackling in the second level. And they just kept pounding the rock over and over again. And towards the fourth quarter, you know, we've seen it when UCF plays against Navy over the years, you tire down. And by that fourth quarter, they're gassed. And the defense is just gashing, you know, you know, for yards. They're, they can't get off the field. And as a result, the, the offense just made a few too many mistakes, could not get out of their own way, drop passes, miss kicks, questionable punt returns. I mean, just too many unforced errors to make up for the fact that Georgia Tech had a very straightforward answer, run the ball. And it worked. I, what else are you going to do except pick yourself up, dust yourself off, give Georgia Tech their kudos, and start moving on from next year? I mean, remember, bowl games are largely exhibition games. Since Leonard we'll Fournette – We'll get to that. Fournette, we'll get to that. We'll get to yeah. that point. But yeah. let, me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What did you think of the first, the end of the first half where UCF drew, drove down – Gus decides to go with the field goal with eight seconds to go. Colton Boomer misses the kick. Some people thought, hey, that's too conservative to kick it there. Did you have an issue there? I thought they had one play left. I really did. I, I thought they had something a little left in the tank. They had eight seconds. They did have a timeout. They could have done something. Uh, you know, That's where your quarterback, John Rice Plumley, has to be very aware of what time is on the clock. Throw the ball away if there's nothing there. 
that some have said maybe he was, you know, Colton Boomer wasn't ready to run out on third down. Uh, and that was part of what would cause the missed kick. I'm not so sold on that just based on some of the issues that he's had kicking before. Uh, you know, this is a guy who has his confidence is shot. He's got the yips and, and it just continued on. And then it add on to it in the second half. They gave up trying to kick the ball. I mean, that's just a double whammy for a kid that's just generally well-liked amongst the yeah. fan base. I mean, you you feel for this kid. Tough year, end for the year for him. R.J. Harvey, the fumble up 14 was big. The dropped uh, catch there in the end zone, they would have made it 21-3, to three, contributed. But you're right. The defense obviously showed what they did all year long and struggled and led to Brent Key playing O'Leary ball to get the victory. All right, Drew, what's the next question you got? All right, so, so now we have a full season under our belt here in the Big 12. So, Eric, I got to ask you because I know you 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 are critical. Has the way the season gone changed your mind on whether it was a success or a failure? No, I don't think this game impacted. In fact, I think you would you would agree with me, Drew. This game, in a lot of ways, was a perfect game to describe the 2023 UCF football season. Some good highs, get <laughs> off the good starts, and then you fade. You realize this was the third double-digit lead UCF has blown this year? with Baylor and Texas Tech being the other six and seven. I don't think it was a failure, but I don't think it was a success. I think the coaching staff would tell you, Drew, this was a disappointing season from the standpoint of what could have been, considering you had a really good year from the offensive line. You had some experience there. The defense did not match up what they thought they would be. I, I But this ballgame didn't change my opinion on what this season uh, will be defined as. Yeah, I hate agreeing with you, but I have to agree with you. Uh, you know, the floor of this year was six and six. You know, they had to go to a bowl game. That was the floor. Well, the ceiling was really nine wins. It was something in between. Hey, guess what? They did it. They got the six wins. Granted, you know, they had to kind of scrape to get by, and they blew winnable games. Oklahoma being one in particular. Uh, you know, obviously the Baylor game was was a, a Travis Shem mockery in itself. Uh, but the, the the truth is. Uh, they they did what the other three newbies couldn't do have a, a go to a bowl game you know take that put that feather in your cap and look what we're seeing towards next year best high school class in school history again they did it last year they're doing it again this year i mean this the sky's the limit for this program they just got to be patient this wasn't going to be an overnight success there was just too much to build and not enough time I agree, but there's no guarantees about next year or the future. I mean, this year you had look at the Baylor game. I mean, my goodness, how do you lose that game? Thankfully, they salvaged the season somewhat with the Oklahoma State win. But if you hold on to double-digit leads that you have and not shoot yourself in the foot, which the offense did from time to time, this could have been an eight-win season, which is what I predicted, Drew, before the year. I thought they could win eight games. Plus, I think the Big 12 was down this year. It's going to get stronger next year, if nothing else, by the additions they're going to have with Utah coming in, Arizona coming in, Arizona State and Colorado. It's a larger league, so it's not going to get easier for UCF. Well, it's a larger league, but it also spreads everything out a little bit more. You're not going to see as many, you know, every, every team. You know, even with a 12-league team, you don't see every team, but you get pretty close to it. And, and so, I mean, obviously, this is uncharted waters for, for all these schools, being in a 16-team conference I and mean, last time we saw a 16 team conference like this it was the whack and it imploded uh this is now the new norm so uh you know it's going to be an opera great opportunity see new schools colorado coming to ucf next year uh, i'm pretty sure that's gonna be a hot ticket uh should be in as, prime time right put should that on the prime. secondary market and sell that thing make a lot you make a whole season's worth of money on that one game <gasps> 
folks. Drew's looking for tickets for that game, as you can tell. <laughs> on that, uh, all right. Now, that, big news last week, Drew. Uh, Thursday, it was announced that uh, Mr. Ryan R.J. Harvey will be back. Javon Baker announced that the next day as well. So both of them will be in play, part of this night's offense in 2024. My question to you is, which one of those returns is big is bigger deal for UCF into next year, and how how do you think it'll impact the rest of the roster? You know, that's actually a very good question. I'm going to have to lean with uh, 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 Javon Baker. And the reason why is actually if you look behind R.J. Harvey, there is a massive amount of talent there. But if you look behind Baker, it's not quite as strong. Uh, so the fact that they both had outstanding seasons, uh, just the fact that they're both coming back is just absolute gravy at this point. Uh, but the fact that Baker's coming back really helps seal that position as that top wide receiver. You're going to have a different quarterback next year. Uh, he's going to need that guy who can really catch anything thrown at him. I mean, he, Baker's got great hops. He's got good field awareness. He's got great footwork. I mean, that's everything you need in a good wide receiver. I mean, he can catch anything thrown near him, and you don't know what exactly what you're gonna, what you're going to get next year. Is Timmy McClain going to start? Are they going to go to the portal and bring in another quarterback? Because that's still up in the air. Uh, are they going to go with one of the youngsters? Uh, they're going to like a uh, risk is is you know he redshirted the year. He's got an opportunity. So we don't know who's going to be. You know, behind center, so you need that reliable guy who can catch the ball because you're going to have errant throws. That's just that's just the nature of the beast. I wouldn't say R.J. Harvey is the bigger one. First of all, he's, I would I would say he's their best pound for pound football player right now, at least on offense. Uh, without him, I don't even know where this season goes. I mean, there's questions behind him. I know there's talent behind him, but it's not experience. And you mentioned it. We don't know what you're going to get at quarterback next year. I think it's going to be from the transfer portal who the next quarterback's going to be, but that's going to take some time. Uh, you know what you got in R.J. Harvey, and I think there's a comfort level. He's going to make whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Timmy McClain or somebody from the portal, better. His job will be easier because of R.J. Harvey. So I think he's more imperative. I think it's easier to find receivers than that uh, the Javon Bakers of the world than there is an R.J. Harvey who's proven, in my opinion. Well, I, I agree with you. Harvey is the pound-for-pound pound better player. It's just the drop-off behind him isn't quite as severe. You know, you've got better talent. You know, uh, Demarcus Bowman, uh, you know, you know, John Richardson's still 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 sticking around as far as we know. Uh, there's still plenty of talent behind him. But, you know, you look at the wide receiver core, uh, it gets – it gets thin into into you know a young group. You know, you obviously have Xavier Townsend, but he's more of a slot guy. You know, you, you if Kobe Hudson comes back, he's going to be on on the other side. So you need that number one guy, that guy that can handle the double covers, that can handle the, the shutdown corner, and he still does it. So that's why I went with Baker over Harvey. Perhaps though, a better quarterback spreads the wealth as much, and maybe we get more production out of different guys out of the pass game. We'll see. We got to find out who the quarterback is first. Absolutely. So, so here, here's the big question as we go into 2024, what does the football program really need to do differently to have success? Obviously we saw things that went up, things that went down. Yeah, that's a great description. Look, I mean, not obviously this is going to sound self, you know, negative and critical. It's not, but it's, it's reality. They need better players. And I think you alluded to this earlier, this recruiting class, this signing class, I think is critical for this program because Drew I don't think UCF in this climate that we're in in college athletics 
can go dollar for dollar against the big programs and get players in the portal of the high level, the Ohio States of the world, which there's rumors they're trying to keep Marvin Harrison by offering him uh, first-round money to come back another year. UCF can't afford any of that, so they got to develop their better players, particularly in the defensive side of the ball and on that front seven, Drew, which got exposed, especially the linebackers this year defensively. When UCF's been successful in conference championships and all the different conferences they've been, defense has been a factor in that. They have to get back to that. Well, as we saw this year, you know, some young guys did get a lot of play. Uh, you know, uh, John Walker, you know, Lee Hunter, you know, guys who are still on the younger side of, of age uh, were getting meaningful playing time on the defensive side of the ball. It shows that it's needed. And we saw a lot of duds in the transfer portal like uh, Ryan Davis and, and DeCorian Patterson just didn't quite, you know, meet expectations. Fred Davis was non-existent. So what the hope is, is that with the, the bringing in of this really strong freshman class, it'll make transfers want to come here, be part of this. Uh, you know, I always tell people, like, when it comes to comparing to the Ohio State School, do you want to be a part of history or do you want to write history? You come to UCF, you write history. You're creating it. You're not just another year in a, in a long list of years. No, you are something special because it's still brand new and beautiful. Uh, so that's the sales pitch I would use to these, you know, these guys in the transfer portals, those second tier guys. Obviously, you're not going to get number one guys. You don't have that kind of cash. Uh, NIL just, you know, UCF's NIL. Well, which is why I drew it. Which is why you can't depend on the transfer portal. You still have to recruit, develop your guys, keep them here for multiple years. Because to me, you're almost like that Major League Baseball team that's going to develop your talent. You're not the L.A. Dodgers that could buy every player in the market. I think that's the key for UCF. We're seeing that even with some of the guys they're trying to get in the market. Well, you have to blend it. You know, you can't be yeah. like you know, Oklahoma State and Clemson where it's like, I'm only going for right. freshmen. That doesn't work. You have to be cognizant aware of what your weaknesses are and what you need immediate plugs in. Stuff is the defensive line, the offensive line linebackers you need immediate help there that's where you target quarterback you target the transfer portal for those immediate one-year plugs as your young guys develop no doubt we'll see what they come up with too with the quarterback and every other uh, other positions the linebacking position others so adam what game do you have in store for us today what a great lead in, Andrew. I'm glad you asked. I don't have any game just yet because I have to tell you about the Sultry Spirit first. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Andrew, but they are a mobile bartending service. They will liven up your next party. Maybe you have a New Year's Eve thing coming up, maybe a bowl, a bowl day, you know, watch party, something going along, and you want to get some cocktails flowing. The Sultry Spirit is who you want to reach out to. Our friend Miles is the proprietor of the Sultry Spirit. He's a UCF alum. He's a, he's a, he's a friend of the program here. Uh, he and his bartenders can give you creative twists on cocktails to make your party unbelievable. Find them on Instagram at the Sultry Spirit or call them at 941-567-7062. Again, at Sultry Spirit, 941-567-7062. And if you tell Miles you heard about him on Around the Kingdom and Sons of UCF, you get a little 10% off situation plus a free gift. So definitely worth the adventure. Give them a call now if you're booking that that, that New Year's party, fellas, because uh, they're going to book up quick. All right. Drew, you asked about the game. Here we go. This one's going to simple. I'm just going to ask a question. Each of you can give an answer. Nothing nothing too crazy for your first time around here, Andrew. So I'm going to start with you, though, Eric. Obviously, we, we now know the, the bowl game has ended. We've seen some guys who are, uh, who are transferring. Guys are going to the portal. Guys are going to the league. So, Eric, first for you, who's one player you are really going to miss next season? I'm going to say Corey Thornton. I thought he had a great year in the corner. If you know, We talked about the defensive issues. His name ever came up. Very rarely came up throughout the season. 
a consistent defensive player. I, I missed that. I will miss that from Corey Thor. Had a great year. Drew, who are you going to miss? Well, uh, because I can't use Corey Thorne, uh, as we just found out that uh, R- Ricky Barber, or, I'm sorry, uh, Josh Selskar, I just put his name in, uh, out there that he's going to use uh, uh, you know, his final year of eligibility somewhere else that just came out today. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to miss him. He was always a stable of consistency, a little undersized, but I mean, that man's got heart. It's going to be missed. All righty then. All right, here we go. Another couple of announcements happened on uh, on Tuesday. Alec Holler, Corey Gamage announcing they're going to be heading to the NFL draft. Not surprising that they both essentially ran out of eligibility, although Holler had like six more years left as far as we know. So, Drew, I'll start with you. Of any of the Knights leaving this season, do any of them have any chance of getting picked up in the NFL draft? Uh, I'd say Thornton maybe um, at the bottom end, but other than that, this is not a, a group that's going to get drafted. Well, Thornton's not going to the NFL. He's going to another oh, that's, school. That's right. He's, he's getting to Louisville, getting that money. That's back. right. You did. He did transfer to Louisville. So he agrees with you, Drew. Corey yes. Thornton agrees with yes. you yes. on that. No one's getting drafted this year. <laughs> no one's getting drafted. I agree with Drew. I don't think anybody gets drafted. Boy, but can I just say Gamage uh, was a – man, I thought he'd be really productive. I don't know when you're doing the sunnies, Adam, but, boy, there's going to be a lot of eggs there in our faces because I, I thought he would be a factor in that passing yeah, I think we all did. He didn't uh, attribute a stat, I believe, all season long. Uh, more big news today. You're talking about, about players coming back, guys. The Big 12 running back situation got more interesting today. Devin Neal from Kansas announces that he'll be back. So he joins R.J. Harvey from UCF, Taj Brooks from Texas Tech, and Ollie Gord from Oklahoma State have all announced they're coming back as well. So, Elo, of those four next year, give me your ranking, one to four. You've got R.J. Harvey, Taj Brooks, Devin Neal, Ollie Gordon, rank those running backs in the Big 12 coming back one to four. Who's the best? Who's the who's number four spot? Well, I think Ollie Gordon will be number one. I think he'll be a Heisman contender next year. He carried that Oklahoma State team that, quite frankly, is flawed. They don't have a lot around them. He saved their season. Uh, I would go him number one. I would go Brooks number two because he carried that team. I would say R.J. Harvey three and Neil four, but it's close. I mean, that, this is a league that is stacked when it comes to running backs. Drew, what's your? Do you agree with Elo's ranking? Do you have an, an alternate choice? Uh, well, I, I think he's pretty pretty spot on. This the thing to keep an eye on. Neil is the fact that Will Howard ha- has gone into the transfer portal. They're going to be riding him really hard, much like Oklahoma State ri- is you know riding Gordon. So neither of you have R.J. Harvey as the top running back in the Big Twelve next year. No, I can't do that <laughs> just yet. But hey, he wants to prove us wrong. I'm all for it. Look, he, I gotta, he, we got to know what the offensive line looks like for UCF before there. we make the. I think that's a question. All right. And obviously, gentlemen, the silliest question of the evening, Drew, this one goes to you first. Uh, New Year's Eve coming up. New Year's resolutions are typically a, a hot trend for people. So, Drew, if you could make a New Year's resolution for any member of the UCF athletic family, coaches, players, administrators, you can make one resolution for anybody. What resolution do you want to see someone take on in the UCF athletic community? I want to see Terry Mohajer take on the New Year's resolution of finally building that lazy river so we can stop talking about building the lazy river. Just build okay. it already. All right. It's a good resolution. He resolves to build the uh, the lazy river. Elo, <laughs> you can give somebody a New Year's resolution. What do you want? Whoever's in charge of facilities, get me more seats at the Plex for softball yes. so people don't <laughs> literally have to sit on the floor. Please, because we got, I don't know if you heard, we've got Oklahoma and Texas coming in. We're going to have a few people coming to the Plex this year. Like like to find some seats for them. Some area, space, something. 
The whole reason we didn't have Brian Peterson back this week is because he would have said gold jerseys to that question, and, and we didn't that's want fair. that. So, that's yeah, that that's that. throat punch worthy. Yeah, I don't disagree, <laughs> gentlemen. Best of luck to you the rest of the way. Oh boy, that's fair. Fair point on Brian W. All right, uh, Drew John Rice Plumley played his last game as quarterback for UCF. Left the game with an injury uh, at the Gasparilla Bowl. He said afterwards he hadn't made any decisions, final decisions on his future, whether he'll play baseball UCF or move on. What is, in your opinion, JRP's legacy at UCF? Well, I, I think he's unfairly going to get dogged a little bit, but I mean, this is this kid was special. I I remember being at the yard sale, standing outside, and he comes flying by on his uh, motorized scooter, just screaming, hey, y'all, I'm just absolute beaming of positive energy, as well as being a team leader. I mean, that's hard. You can't replicate that. You can find talent, but you can't really find a guy whose energy is so contagious that it just brings everybody up around him. Uh, that's going to be very hard pressed to, to replace. So I think he's got two legacies within the team. He's going to be sorely missed for the positive energy and, and, you know, leadership that he brought. He's very polarizing around fans because he wasn't a natural quarterback and they expected more from, but I think that expectation was a little unfair. I agree. I think there's two fronts, right? First of all, he's a great representation of the university, treated the fans fantastic. As a quarterback, it's a polarizing topic because you're going to have people that thought that Mikey Keene should have started over him, etc. I will remember, Drew, though, the fact that he played both football and baseball, played at a pretty high level, especially on that day. He played outfield, drove in a couple runs, and then played the spring game at quarterback. That was exciting, and he brought some buzz. Uh, really a Kind of an old-school college player, man. He loves college sports, and I will miss him from that standpoint of dealing with him as a person, and I think you're right. I don't think that he was handed a good card uh, compared to what could have been for him from a quarterback standpoint. But still, he did a lot. That I think I think as time goes on, I think people will remember him more fondly as a great athlete at UCF. Oh, absolutely. He, he helped steward UCF into the Big 12. I mean, I think over the years, people will start to realize how important that was. No doubt. No doubt about that. I wish him the best, whatever he decides to do. All right. Now, here, here's a good one, because this is a very new thing, very hot topic. The NCAA, obviously, was in a lawsuit uh, up in, in with West Virginia and Ohio uh, regarding uh, their one-year transfer rule. Well, there's been an injunction put into place that will last through the rest of the 23 24 school year that allow non-graduates to transfer a second time without penalty is as good or bad for UCF. I don't know if that's good uh, that you're going to have to worry about your athletes sticking around for anybody, but this is free agency drew uh, year to year. And I don't think college sports fans are, are used to that. That's not what they expect. You know, the in pro sports, even in pro sports, Drew, most guys stay multiple years because they have multiple year contracts with their teams. This now could be potentially a year to year sport. We've seen that in college basketball. I think it's hurt the interest of college basketball, Drew. And I wonder if down the road, if this does indeed become permanent and you could transfer whenever, does that hurt football in the long run? Probably not because it's still a popular sport. But I do, there's that connection that I think you run the risk of losing. Well, I, a lot of people, you know, you know, you see it more in pros, but it's growing more in college where you wear, you know, something for the guys for the back of the jersey more so than the front of the jersey. You know, the name on the back. Well, we're now seeing the Wild West. What people forget, 
college scholarships are renewed every year. So this is this one year contract essentially has already existed. It's now the players have the opportunity to sign elsewhere. Uh, I think it actually levels the playing field between the athlete and the college or the university. Uh, not so much as far as program versus program, but between the school and the player, it levels the playing field because the old system, you know, you go, you you get pushed out of your spot, you lose that scholarship, and you fade away because there was no option. That's what the transfer portal allowed those players to do is find a new home. Well, one year contract in place, one year contract up, they get to go on. I actually think it's not going to hurt UCF so much. This is going to hurt programs that are struggling. Teams that just aren't that good but have good players that may have transferred once. They're going to look for a chance to win somewhere else. Uh, I think UCF may be able to pluck a few out of here, but I don't think they're going to be all that hurt as long as they stay on the positive side of six wins. You're saying more of the Sun Belts, the MAC conferences, those type of programs that just can't compete with the Power Five, if you will. Maybe that becomes like a developmental deal well, where they, the, those guys. Like a leave. three nine pit. Like a yeah. three and nine pit, you know, yeah. even a power five school that's just bad. My, my, uh, that's, yeah. My, my only concern long term for these people look, it's good for the athletes, but aren't they supposed to get a degree? It's like some sort of education at some point long term. You got to think something out past football at some point. Is, <gasps> he, Cham has been exposed. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe <laughs> I'm naive. We're naive. I'm naive <laughs> on all that. Uh, let's move on. Uh, we'll see. We'll, I'm sure this won't be the last time we bring that up. Men's basketball, as we turn our attentions, they will have their final non-conference game on Friday against Bethune-Cookman. They're coming off a win against FAMU last week, 69-56. Drew, are you encouraged or discouraged about UCF basketball as they start conference play once we uh, get to the uh, new year in 2024? I'm stealing myself for a lot of disappointment, but I don't think it's going to be a winless conference year. Uh, you know, This UCF team, uh, you know, they have their moments. I mean, they took Ole Miss to the wire. Uh, they have the ability to hang with some good programs. Yeah, they're not going to, you know, be up with Houston. I, I think they're they're Canada fodder there or Kansas. Uh, but you know what? Like a Oklahoma State, they can win that game. You know, you know, they they have a chance of, of plucking a few, maybe even you know catching a, a West Virginia off guard. There, there's opportunities here for them to be a spoiler. Uh, you know, I, do I expect them to have a winning record in the conference? Absolutely not. But you know what? We knew going in that the basketball program was by the men's basketball program was by far the most underprepared program uh, in terms of investment, in terms of support, in terms of uh, player development. I, it's miles behind everybody else. We know it's coming. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's going to be a rude awakening, I think, for what college basketball at the top level is. You're in the Big 12. It's the number one conference, once again, according to many of the metrics out there. I think for them to accomplish what you're saying and win some of those games, I agree with you, but they're going to have to shoot the ball better. They are not. They're in the 200 shooting the ball from the field. I got to call the FAMU game. They missed some shots they shouldn't. Jalen Sellers is the key. He's their leading scorer, but he's only shooting in the 20s from the three-point line. He shot 45% from the three-point line last year at Ball State. UCF expected him to be their best three-point shooter. He's got to hit some shots from the perimeter because you're not going to win if you can't hit from three in college basketball, especially in the Big 12. They can defend. I think they can rebound. Can they score enough? I don't know. That remains to be seen. It's a good question. So, uh, Elo, uh, this is probably a gimme question for you, but 
What spring sport are you most interested in seeing this year? Look what I got over there. I got my super regional UCF softball shirt for 2022, right? What am I else going to say? It's softball, right? Big 12 seniors on this class, Jada Cody, Shannon Doherty, part of that team that got to the Super Regional. They've been to three straight NCAA tournaments, 40-plus wins. But they're entering the Big 12, which could be the number one conference in college softball, which is, of course, run by the three-time defending national champions, Oklahoma, which comes to the Plex uh, in May. you got Texas, who's a top-10 team coming in. They play at Oklahoma State, a challenging schedule how does this group handle that level up? It's going to be interesting. It's a big risk-reward type of a schedule for UCF that could be as good as a host or they could miss the tournament uh, completely. It's going to be fascinating to see what softball comes up with here in 2024. Yeah, I also have softball for this. This is a very senior-laden team with uh, double digits between senior fifth-year players, uh, so that's very age-laden. Uh, can they find the pitching that they need to be able to handle this gauntlet of a conference. Uh, you've got, you've got, you know, your three big offensive players, you know, Jada Cody, Shannon Doherty, you know, Chloe Evans, uh, Jada, you know, Jada Cody, her numbers had dropped back down to what she had two years ago. Yeah. You know, can she rediscover the magic? Was she a one hit wonder? You know, you know, can she rediscover the magic that made her a first, you know, first team all American? And then you have, you know, Shannon Darty. Shannon Darty, very consistent in power, but her batting average dropped way off, you know, hitting about 268 or so. She needs to, you know, kind of find that stability around 300 again. And then, you know, Chloe Evans, you know, what a what a steal out of Minnesota. I mean, she had an outstanding first year, 355 average, you know, 49 RBIs, which is very consistent for her. You know, I'm excited to see what those guys can do if they can bring it back to two years worth numbers. Well, you've got softball covered, so I'll give a shout-out to Rich Wallace, UCF alum, first-year UCF baseball coach, which, by the way, for those watching, Drew, wearing a UCF baseball Citronaut jersey. The real original Citronaut jersey back from, what, like 10 years ago or so? I'll, take your, I'll, take, your, I'll take your word for that. I'll take. Yeah, there's no Canaveral Brew on this thing. They didn't have that yet. All right. All right, Drew, toss it back to Adam here as we wrap All right, Adam, up. what did we get wrong? Well, all right, it's only one one wrong, uh, Drew. You said Devin Neal will get more carries because Will Howard went in the portal. Devin Neal plays for Kansas. Uh, they will actually have their uh, their quarterback uh, back, Jane Daniels. Boy, so, Kansas, so who too knows? There. Yeah, who knows? But all right, some fun facts. You guys talked about Georgia Tech. UCF Georgia Tech ran for 284 yards on the ground in that game. Uh, who's going to be more important, Baker or, uh, or R.J. Harvey? I think it's interesting. R.J. Harvey has an injury history. Uh, right, so we do know that too. Uh, do you, I also wonder if he'll play some of the Isaiah Bowser role for UCF next year? How 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 Gus will use him? But Drew, you said uh, we have some good players like Demarcus Bowman. He has the 175 total rushing yards in his career, so I don't think we quite know yet what we have in Demarcus Bowman. John Rice Plumley is ninth in career total offense for UCF. Gentlemen, he actually holds one record for UCF. He's tied with one record for UCF. Do either of you know what record John Rice Plumley currently holds right now? Oh, I'm gonna go with rushing touchdowns by a quarterback. I'm gonna go rushing yards by. I'm gonna go rushing yards by a quarterback. He has a single game rushing yard record. He's actually tied for most touchdowns yeah. accounted for in a game with seven, tied Ooh. with Darren Slack and uh, Dante Culpepper. Very good. Nice, nice. nice trivia there, Adam. Nice. All right. 
All right, one more thing we left off. Of course, this is UCF's first year in the Big 12 in football. Believe it or not, this is the first time UCF's had a losing season going into a new league for the first time. It's also Gus Malzahn's first losing season. Hopefully, uh, that will be dissipated a year from now. One thing that was not a losing season was around the kingdom and Sons of UCF. We hope you've enjoyed all the content from Sons of UCF this year in 2023. Look for more in 2024. Andrew, thank you for being off the cuff, if you will, and filling <laughs> in on the show. That's how I roll. For Andrew Glukoff, for Adam Eaton, uh, and Trace Trunkle, and all the cast that have contributed to Around the Kingdom, Sons of UCF Live, Sons of UCF Podcast, and more. Thank you for tuning in all year in 2023. We will see you in 2024 for another edition of Around the Kingdom. Good night and charge on. Podcast Network.